scripture reading today is Matthew chapter 5, verses 21 through 37. An editorial caveat here is that verses 27 through 32 are doozies. <clears throat> but we'll get to that. So if any children have yet to leave and desire to leave, by all means, you may go to the children's area. Matthew chapter 5, verses 21 through 37. You have heard that it was said to those of ancient times, you shall not murder, and whoever murders shall be liable to judgment. But I say to you that if you are angry with a brother or a sister, you will be liable to judgment, and if you insult a brother or a sister, you will be liable to the council. And if you say, you fool, you will be liable to the hell of fire. So when you're offering your gift at the altar, if you remember that your brother and sister or brother and sister has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go. First, be reconciled to your brother or sister and then come and offer your gift. Come to terms quickly with your accuser while you're on the way to court with him or her or them. Or your accuser may hand you over to the judge and the judge to the guard and you will be thrown in prison. True, truly, I tell you, you will never get out until you have paid the last penny. You have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lust has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one of your members than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you sin, cut it off and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one of your members than for your whole body to go into hell. It was also said, whoever divorces his wife, let him give her a certificate of divorce. But I say to you that anyone who divorces his wife, except on the ground of unchastity, causes her to commit adultery. And whoever marries a divorced woman commits adultery. <clears throat> Whew, light reading. Again, you have heard that it was said to those of ancient times, you shall not swear falsely but carry out the vows you have made to the Lord. But I say to you, do not swear at all, either by heaven, for it is, throne, it is the throne of God, or by the earth, for it is his, his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. And do not swear by your head, for you cannot make one hair white or black. Let your words be yes, yes, or no, no. Anything more than this comes from the evil one. These are sacred stories. Thanks be to God. If you agree with a brother or a sister, you'll be liable to judgment. And if you insult a brother or a sister, you'll be liable to the council. And if you say, you fool, you'll be liable to the fire of hell. Frankly, it's not particularly uncommon for someone to suggest that I might be bound for hell, but it's not normally Jesus. If your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away, it's better for you to lose one of your members than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. 
don't know, Jesus, that seems pretty extreme. But I say to you that anyone who divorces his wife, except on the grounds of unchastity, causes her to commit adultery, and whoever marries a divorced woman commits adultery. And as Matt pointed out, that's just awkward. But I say to you, do not swear at all. Let your word be yes, yes, or no, no. Anything more than this comes from the evil one. So deacons today, when you promise, so not an oath, it's a promise to be our spiritual leaders. Remember, it's not an oath, it's a promise. Anything more than a promise might end you up with the evil one. I liked how this sermon started better. The Sermon on the Mount, you know, remember the beginning? It was like Oprah. You get a blessing and you get a blessing and you get a blessing. And then after the blessings, the Sermon on the Mount calls us salt and light. Gorgeous. Love it. What happened to that? What's this? What is this? I know you're all expecting me to tell you some miraculous thing about the Greek words here. But I can't. <laughs> Sorry to tell you. So sometimes we get out the original Hebrew or the Greek or the Aramaic and it helps us because the passage is difficult and words have multiple meanings and when you translate things, stuff gets lost. Sometimes we can look at the context and we can say, well, you know, in the first century or in Judaism or in the Middle East or something that might help us out. And obviously there are contexts and connotations of these words, but they don't help that much, frankly. Sometimes, like with so much of what's attributed to Paul in the Second Testament, we can examine the authorship and not throw it out, but know, for example, that Paul didn't write Timothy. So all that stuff about women being quiet, Paul never said that. That helps us, right? Helps me. There aren't any cool Greek words to eliminate. And while there's certainly some contextualization that might help, there's nothing revelatory. In this case, and in the case of everything in red letters, did you all have a red letter Bible when you were kids? We have what we have in our biblical canon. And so we have to ask ourselves, did Jesus say this? And what do we do with it? So some of this sounds a lot like Jesus, and other parts, not so much. But how do we know? What do we do with what we have? Our friends at the Jesus Seminar, those scholars searching for the historical Jesus, had a system of colored beads. They would gather and vote via color bead on how historically accurate they believed, based on their scholarship, the words attributed to Jesus to be. Red bead, or likely to be said by Jesus. Pink, or not exactly this, but something like it. Gray, for Jesus didn't say this, but has ideas that are resonant with it. And black, or no way, not Jesus. Does it bring you any comfort to know that almost all the stuff from today's passage, all the stuff about hellfire and the enemy, almost all of it is black or gray? And furthermore, does it help you to know that if you kept reading, you'd get to turn the other cheek and the things we think about as the Sermon on the Mount, and almost all of that is pink or red 
There weren't any smartphones. There weren't any camcorders. Nobody had a GoPro. Jesus walked around and taught and healed and caused trouble. He didn't hold press conferences. His PR people didn't handle his message and brand. Nevertheless, we know that the Bible has Jesus saying, and if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. What do we do with these words and passages like this? I'll tell you what I do. I'm sticking with a hermeneutic of love, a way of reading the Bible through the lens of God's inclusive, limitless love. So to do this, we hold up a passage like today's in the light of love and we see what shines through. In this passage, I see beams of expansion, a call to expect more from ourselves than simply following the letter of the law. A somewhat searing light that perhaps I've let anger or a lack of commitment keep me from compassion and connection. No, I didn't murder anyone, but have I offered forgiveness? How often am I calling myself and others fool rather than giving a listening ear, curiosity, gentle correction when it's needed? I'm seeing the gleaming light of Jesus wanting more for us and more for our relationships than the bare minimum. It's not enough that we didn't kill anybody. I mean, good job. And love demands more. It demands more than the letter of the law. Everyone loves their friends. Jesus invites us again and again to go further, compels us to love our enemies. Good on you for not committing adultery. And how's your relationship? How are you caring for each other and yourselves? Are you consumed with work and exhaustion of getting all the things checked off the list? I'm seeing this passage in the light of boundaries. Let your yes be yes. Don't make promises flippantly. Don't say yes if it will bring resentment. And once you've said yes, don't let insecurity mark your days. Lean into your yes. You're enough. And let your no be no. When you need to say no, say it. And leave the guilt and the should-haves at the door. Lean into your no. Let your yes be yes. And let your yes or your no bring justice mercy, peace, abundant life. Perhaps these words from the Sermon on the Mount point us toward a vision of a world that transcends merely following the law, merely getting by with as little as is possible. This is a new realm where relationships matter, matter most where we truly try to care for ourselves and each other and the world. This is the vision we call ourselves to each Sunday. And on this day, 
a vision that we particularly ask our deacons to embrace. And not just our deacons, but every one of us. To give a clear and resounding yes to that silver moon. A yes to living through a hermeneutic of love. Living into a realm where relationship is more important than law. Of living into love. Amen.